listening to Impact Sports Daily, WBBM's daily rundown of all things sports. And welcome back to Impact Sports Daily. Today is October 29th. I am your host, Matt Merrifield, and I am joined today by Jacob Phillips and Jada Coster. Got a full slate of football this weekend. But first, we got to talk about Thursday night football last night between the Packers and the Cardinals. The Packers were able to pull out a 24-21 to win, but it was a very tough game throughout. Jay, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, great finish at the end. You know, the, the Packers almost blowing that lead, you know, up 10 with about you know four minutes to go. And you know, Kyler Murray driving down the field, and he gets intercepted by Rasul Douglas. A tough ending right there. And A.J. Green, not going to be not going to be a fun day in the film room today if he's hit, if if I'm if if AJ if I'm AJ Green so yeah I mean it was, it was a good it was a good ending uh you know I thought the car I actually thought the Packers would win coming into this game um and yeah two seven one teams it should be a great battle in the NFC for the rest of the way yeah I thought it was a great ending uh you know and I really love to see the Packers win but I can I also am not going to pass up a chance to criticize Green Bay here I think there were some poor play calling decisions toward the end with that, you know, first and one, and they keep trying to throw it when obviously this has been a very run-based game from the beginning, and all you had to do was gain one yard, and then there was the really odd moment when we couldn't seem to get lined up right, had to take a delay game penalty, move back five yards. It was just really weird sort of events that really almost cost us that game, and I'm not going to say we shouldn't have won, because our defense really pulled through several times in that game. But it certainly should not have been that close in the end. We should have got that touchdown if we just would not have made play calling errors and just simple fundamental mistakes. Yeah, a lot of questionable play play calls by Matt LaFleur at the end there. And really odd sequence of events on the fourth down. You know, pass game deflected. Cardinals get the ball at the one-yard line. They drive basically 90 yards down the field only to get picked off by Rasul Douglas and end the game. And you could have gotten a field goal to tie the game and go to overtime. But, man, that's a tough loss for your Cardinals fan. I mean, you had a chance to win the game. You had the, pack, you had the Packers backed up. And, look, I mean, two teams at 7-1 and one fighting for that one seed, basically. And, you know, the Cardinals now, it looks like they're going to be tied with the Rams, barring a Rams you know, Rams loss on Sunday. Both teams are going to be looking at 7-1 in the NFC West for a great finish, it looks like, as we're at the halfway point of the season. Yeah, I definitely have to say there were a lot of mistakes made by the Packers, especially towards the end of that game. But the job that they did coming in with, they are what, missing three receivers? Yeah, so you had Devontae Adams, number one wide receiver in the NFL right now. He was out with COVID-19. You had Alan Lazard out with COVID-19. You had defensive coordinator Joe Barry out with COVID-19. Wow. And then... Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the backup receiver, also out this week. So you really had a very fresh, unskilled, I won't say unskilled, but uh, inexperienced receiving core that was able to take advantage of Randall Cobb's past experience with Aaron Rodgers. And it didn't really help them drive downfield. I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon deserve all that credit in being able to get them down into the red zone. But Randall Cobb was really the receiver to be that night for red zones. I think he was two I think he got two touchdowns that game. It really showed why Aaron Rodgers wanted him back on the team in the first place. He also lost Robert Tunyon, right? He he went out with the knee injury. Yeah, late in the game he came away with a significant knee injury. 
I don't think they've released any specifics yet. I could be wrong. Uh, that was a really sad moment to see because I really have been a fan of Robert Tunyon for the past two years now. He's been a really solid guy. I know he's been criticized a little bit this year for not being necessarily as skilled in the red zone as he was last year, but I think he's a really reliable tight end that has filled a necessary position in Green Bay. Clearly very sad for the team to watch him. I, I did see he was walking off the field, so I don't expect him to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, still hold out hope in that regard. But you know, anytime a player gets hurt that has kind of been a core component of this offense, it, it's not something you want to see, especially with all the players that have been out this week. Yeah, I would definitely give credit to the Packers, though, missing those receivers, being able to go out and still game plan. And they really just focused on ball possession, right? They had the ball. They ran was it 20 more plays than the than the Cardinals right they had the ball they really dominated in ball possession they knew that without their receivers without their playmakers they were going to have to find a different way to win and Aaron Rodgers although the stat line doesn't show it he still stepped up and I mean he's had other than that New Orleans game this year where I mean we can all agree that might have been his worst game he's played in a long time he probably uh, ever he's been he's been back to I don't want to say MVP form but he's been very good for this Packers, and he's probably the most important reason why they are 7-1 and one at this point. Yeah, he clearly stepped up and took a strong leadership position, especially this game, keeping a cool, level head the entire time. You know, taking that penalty, I was not a fan of that move, but he was very strategic in how he used his timeouts in order to make sure that plays weren't rushed because this inexperienced offense could not have handled that. And I think he knew that going in, and he really made sure that all the players had a chance to really, really shine in this in this game. Yeah, I would definitely say that for the Cardinals, at least, we're gonna have to find out what their mental toughness is now. Right, starting off seven and zero, it's really easy to keep showing up every week, and now they got the Niners on the road next weekend. That is not an easy game to play. Right, the Niners are a very talented team. Uh, their quarterback situation isn't the best, but. The Cardinals, they uh, they lost. J.J. Watt is done for the season. We found that out yesterday, which is a tough blow. But they should be they should bounce back, right? They got tons of talent on that offense, and uh, there's been a lot of impact players on that defense to help. Oh yeah, out. I'm not concerned about the Cardinals at all. Losing J.J. Watt is obviously big. He's still still obviously a a menace for that defense. But you got you got guys like Chandler Jones, you got Buda Baker, you got Isaiah Simmons, you got Zayvon Collins still, uh, and they they still have a lot of talent, very underrated defense, obviously in the offense with DeAndre Hopkins still battling that hamstring injury, but I think he'll be fine going the rest of the way. And Kyler Murray, he came out the end of that game limping. I'm a little I'm a little concerned about him, but if he is is okay and he can be able to uh, be able to play next week, I don't have a lot of concerns about the Cardinals going forward. I think it's gonna be a tight race between the Rams and them, uh, but for now, you know the Cardinals they'll be fine. So. Yeah, and I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers walking off the field, shaking hands with Kyler Murray, I think he made a good point. He said, we'll see you in the playoffs. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Arizona is a playoff-level team. I think Kyler Murray did a fantastic job. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins missing a significant amount of that game time. And then, of course, you had J.J. Watt, who was still on the sideline. Really, that was a, a really great thing to see, able to provide some defensive leadership from the sideline. But I think they really played a tremendous game there. Yeah, it's just going to be a question for playoffs whether Arizona's going to have to travel to Green Bay as a wild card team or if they're going to be able to pull out the division against the Rams. That's probably 
that's definitely the tightest division race of the of in the NFC at least. But anyways, moving on now to Sunday, got some big games coming up. We're gonna start off with the Lions versus the Eagles. It's not a sexy matchup, but we gotta give our due to the Lions. This week could be this is their first true opportunity to get a win on the year. Might be one of their few opportunities. What do you guys think is gonna happen this weekend? I really think they have a good chance to win. I think the Eagles have really struggled. They're arguably the worst team in the NFC East. Um, you know, and I think they really the Lions have a good chance. Now I know I've said that before, especially with when the Lions went up against the Bears. You know, I I always think the Lions have a chance and they always find a way to come away with the loss. So I am very cautious about this game, but if they play it well and they don't allow Philadelphia to pull ahead by a significant margin, I think that the Lions can take away their first win of the season from this week. Uh, I'm probably going to have to take the Eagles in this one. I'm sorry. For, sorry, Lions fans. I just, I don't know. I, I don't see a lot of wins in the schedule. Maybe this is the week because, you know, the Eagles are not, you know, obviously not very good, but I'm just going to have to make the safe pick and take the Eagles in this one. Um, you know, great effort last week from them, you know, almost being the Rams that are a Super Bowl contender. Um, but, yeah, I like the Eagles in this one to get to 3-5, and five, so... Yeah, I like the Eagles as well. I think Jalen Hurts is really going to take it to the Lions this weekend. I don't know if their defense can handle stopping a player like he, like him um, just with how dynamic he is. But I do think the Lions will give another great effort. Obviously, last weekend was a lot of fun to watch, although they couldn't pull it out. It was, it was definitely a performance that sold a lot of people on Dan Campbell for any doubters. I yeah, think a lot, everybody, lot, a lot of fake punts, a lot right, of, you know. Yeah. You know, he was playing, as people called it, Madden football, right? No punting, yeah. going for it on fourth down, uh, onside kicks in the, what, first quarter? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think pulling away with that 10-0 lead right out of the gate was really impressive to see. And you're, I remember watching that game thinking for a second, do they have the chance to pull this off? Uh, of course, you know, they, they showed they're the Lions still. But I think it was a really solid effort against one of the better teams of the NFC. So I think if you're a Lions fan, you can see – Kind of the clouds parting, angels singing. There, There is a light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah, and as a Detroit fan, I would definitely have to say that although this could be a rough season where an 0-17 isn't unlikely, right? It's very possible that could happen. Um, it's definitely more entertaining. They've definitely been a better team to watch than the their years under Matt Patricia. There are a lot of 6-10 and 10 seasons that you just would shake your head at and be like, where are we going? You can definitely tell they're trying to improve. It's just a long process from here. Moving on, we have a huge game in the AFC South between the Titans and the Colts. Titans have been impressive. Derrick Henry has continued to be a monster. The Colts started off 0-4, but have bounced back with three straight wins, including a uh, monsoon win in San Francisco last Sunday. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I like I like the Colts in this game. I think the Colts are you know catching fire. Um, you know, granted, you know the two wins they've had against you know lesser competition. I think this is the week the Colts. Improve themselves that they're back in this AFC South conversation. Um, so yeah, I like the Colts in this one. I think if you can contain Derrick Henry with that with that line with DeForest Buckner and those guys, yeah, I like the Colts in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a much more even game than people would realize. I think the Titans last week against the Chiefs made them look really good. It made their defense look really good, but I don't think they're good enough to lock out the Colts completely. I think this could be a battle, you know, between Derrick Henry and then a shootout on the half of the Colts. I think that 
the Colts really have a good chance of taking down the Titans. With that being said, I still think that Derrick Henry will pull this game off for the Titans. So I'll take the Titans, but, you know, I would say maybe three-point game, no more than a touchdown at that. Yeah, a lot of people might be surprised, but the Colts are actually favored in this game, partly due to the fact that they're at home. Um, I like the Colts this weekend. I think Carson Wentz has really turned it around. Early in the year, you could see the struggles he was having Mm -hmm. adjusting to Indy, but he's definitely the last couple weeks, you can see there's a change. He isn't quite that MVP caliber player we saw in 2017, but he's definitely back to being a top, uh, above average quarterback in this league leading the Colts, I definitely think that they will win this weekend against the Colts. Yeah, I agree. And one thing to add to that, you know, just with Carson Wentz, you know, he's, he's been a lot better over his last couple of weeks, like you said. And if they continue to use the running game with Jonathan Taylor, he's been a beast this year. If they continue to use the running game with Quinn Nelson and that offensive line, they have a really good chance against that Titans defense. All right, and now we have the big game in the NFC, NFC South as well. Uh, we have the Bucks and the Saints. Saints are right behind the Bucks in the standings, although it doesn't really feel like it with how the Saints have played this season. Uh, how, who do you think is going to come out with this one? I think the Bucks come away with this one. I think Jameis Winston the past couple weeks has really been struggling. I think everyone took that week one victory over Green Bay and really thought, you know, Jame- this is Jameis Winston's year. The Saints can go all the way. They just took down one of the best teams in the NFC. But then watching the game against the Seahawks and Jameis Winston's recent performances – I think you see how much they really rely on Alvin Kamara and how little Jameis Winston can actually perform compared to a top-caliber quarterback like Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, two of these teams, you know, big rivalry game in the Superdome. It's going to be a hostile environment. Saints are 4-2, and two, and Buccaneers are rolling right now at 6-1, and one, blowing out the Bears last week 38-3, to three, and the Saints coming off of that Nice win against Seattle, without, obviously, without Russell Wilson. You know, I'm going to have to go with the Bucks in this one in a, in a very close game. It'll be a, I think the Bucks will win, you know, by, by, a th- by a three, not, you know, not over a touchdown, but you know, I think it'll be a th- three point game. So, yeah, I like the Bucks and Brady to win this one. This, will, this game confuses me, especially the way last year the Saints really dominated the Buccaneers during the season. They won both regular season games. And I think if Jameis Winston would have started in the NFC divisional matchup, that the Saints would have won. And moved on, but um, but this year the Saints they've really they've really struggled, right? They play to the level of their competition, which might work to their advantage this weekend taking on the Bucks. I think that Jameis Winston's revenge game. I think that their James uh, Sean Payton's going to take off. He's going to let him go, let him throw the football. Uh, I think they're going to have to away the run defense works for the Buccaneers. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to say the Saints are going to win this one. Very close either way, um, but I like the I like the Saints to win it this weekend at home. And uh, now in the AFC North, we have the Browns and the Steelers. Good old-fashioned rivalry between these two teams. Uh, who do you guys think going to win this one? I like the Browns in this one. I think, you know, obviously with all their injuries, without <clears throat> without Baker Mayfield and, you know, with all the injuries of Miles Garrett, uh, I think the Browns can pull this one out. I just, I'm, I'm not a Steelers believer. I just, I don't, I think Ben Roethlisberger is cooked. And their defense is very good, T.J. Watt and those guys on Devin Bush. But, yeah, I, I like the Browns to win this game um, in, in a close AFC, uh, AFC East battle. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I take the Browns on this one. I think even though they've got, they're still dealing with injuries, I think Steelers have really struggled offensively this year. I think it's clearly time for Big Ben to retire. You know, 
probably should have done that years ago. And looking at what they once were and what they are now, the Steelers do not present any kind of offensive threat to the Browns. And I think the Browns really have turned it around in the past five years from being you know 0-16 and really coming out and being one of those solid AFC teams that you know this is a rivalry game, and I think they are just going to run and throw all over the Steelers in this game. So I take them by at least seven. I like the Colts, or sorry, not the Colts, the Browns in a close one. Uh, the weather's not supposed to be too great in Cleveland. It never, of course. It that's, never that, is. That's not surprising. Uh, if Case Keenum's going, whatever the under, or whether over-under is, you're taking the under. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a low-scoring <laughs> defensive battle, probably a 17-14 to 14 game the way the Steelers like it. But I just think that there's too much talent on that Browns roster for the for the Steelers to take. And uh, But either way, uh, I would not watch it. The over-under is 42 and a half. And it dropped, too. I, I still take the under. Of course, I say the AFC East, but both teams are on the, on the East Coast, so, you know, whatever. So but, uh, AFC North battle, whatever. I still think Dearness Johnson, though, <clears throat> if they're still struggling with running backs, I think Dearness Johnson is a, a serious offensive benefit to the Browns. So mm-hmm. I would actually look. You know, it's probably still going to hit the under, but I would take the Browns still by a majority of that. And they get Nick Chubb coming back, but it looks like they're going to go Dearness Johnson and Nick Chubb as the two-headed monster, obviously with Kareem Hunt on the IR for the next couple weeks. So, All right, now we have a NFC matchup on Sunday Night Football. We have the Cowboys heading to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Uh, the Cowboys have been very impressive this year, surprising start. Vikings have been the Vikings. They're very average. They sh- show up when you don't expect them to. They don't show up when you want them to. Uh, what do you guys think is going to happen this weekend? Oh, boy. I mean, look, the Vikings at home on Halloween, uh, it's going to be a hostile environment out there in Minnesota. I like the Vikings to win this game. I think I think if you can use Dalvin Cook and and uh, with Kirk Cousins, get it out to Justin Jefferson and obviously Adam Thielen and contain Dak Prescott with CeeDee Lamb, with Amari Cooper, and contain that pa- lethal passing game. I like the Vikings to win this game. I th- I think at home, I think it, it presents an advantage for them. It give me the Vikings in a, in a close game. Yeah, I think if the Vikings can take advantage of Dak Prescott not being 100%, I know he mm-hmm. was seen walking off the field yep. in a boot last week. I think they have a good chance. But that being said, and it kills me to say this, I think the Cowboys are still going to dominate. I think they're clearly the best team in the NFC East. I think Dak has really come back from a grisly injury to lead this team where it is, but I think it's really going to d- depend on if he is able to get the ball to Ezekiel Elliott and you know basically get the ball out of his own hands and let the rest of his offense do the work. I think they can take it away, but I think the Vikings, again, like you said, they show up when you don't want them to, so I wouldn't be surprised if Vikings end up taking this by you know, at least three. Yeah, the one thing that scares me, it's primetime, and Kirk Cousins, not a primetime quarterback, as we found out. But some about this, I think that the weapons that the Vikings have, not a lot of people realize. Uh, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison are two very, well, Dalvin Cook's one of the best backs in leagues, and Madison is a very, very good backup. You have great receivers on the outside with Justin Jefferson, and who I don't think gets talked about enough, even after the great season he had last year. I don't think people realize how good of a receiver he really is, and Adam Thielen's been great yeah, for been great. forever. So I think that's going to be a lot for the Cowboys. It's more than a lot of people realize. So I like the Vikings in this one to take it at home. I think it's going to be a higher-scoring game. should be an entertaining Sunday night football matchup. But uh, I like I definitely like the Vikings in this one. It's going to be nonstop action in Minnesota for sure. 
I think it's just going to come down to which quarterback can kind of maintain composure under that primetime pressure that we're going to see. All right, and now we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about Michigan State basketball for a quick second. They opened up Wednesday night with an exhibition game where they beat Ferris State 92-58. to Not much to talk about, but it was our first chance to see the Spartans in action this season. Uh, Jay, I know you were at the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw what, you. <laughs> what did you think of the game? Yeah, it was, first of all, it was great to get in the Izzo for the first time. You know, great to, great to have fans back. And uh, obviously Izzo spoke about that in the postgame press conference. But also he talked about Max Christie, you know, the, you know, the potential he brings to the squad this year. You know, dropping, I believe, what was it, 17 points, I think it was the total. Yeah, Max Christie, great at the free throw line. He can get he can get open shots. Uh, you can drive to the basket really efficiently. So great showing by Max Christie. Obviously, the Gabe Brown poster just capped off the night for you know an exhibition game that didn't really mean much. But you know, it's good it's good showing for them. So yeah, I unfortunately was not at the game. Uh, I've got tickets for a little bit later in the season. I'm incredibly excited to watch this team. Really young team compared to what we've seen yep. like two years ago, three years ago. Um, I think you know, of course. I don't think we expected much different than a, a, an easy takeaway over Ferris State. But I think what will really, what I really look forward to seeing out of this team is, you know, going back to like two years ago, some of that really cohesive teamwork. I think this team, being really young, has a lot of time and capability to learn how to mesh together and how to play complementary ball and really kind of bring us back to where we really deserve to be. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch. I mean, Gabe Brown really looked impressive. I think he's mm-hmm. – a lot of people don't expect him to have the season I think he's going to have this year. Max Christie, I've never seen him play before. I've heard a lot about him. He impresses me. He's yeah, not he's... just a shooter, which everybody talks about. He can drive the basket. He's a great defender. There were a couple times where he got to the rim and got rebounds where I'm like, where did he come from? Um, a couple other players. Tyson Walker I definitely think is going to be a huge difference leading the offense as our point guard. I think Jaden Akins, once he develops and get acclimated to college basketball, he's going to be a similar player to Walker. Um, there's a lot to be excited about this year. I'm hoping that we don't have a similar season to last year. I think oh, yeah. we're I think we're going to be a comfortable tournament team. Where we finish in the Big Ten, we'll have to see. There's a lot of good teams this year, like Purdue and Michigan, but it's definitely a, definitely a time to be excited. And I'm just happy to be able to go to basketball games this yeah, year. Yeah, and it's interesting because. Tyson Walker, the transfer from Northeastern, he's going to be a guy that we didn't really have last year. We didn't. Michigan State did not have a point guard that we could count on last year, and you know it's going to be interesting to see how Tyson Walker develops in in that role. And it's going to be a key, he's going to be a key factor for the season. And also, like you said, Gabe Brown. I think Gabe Brown's going to have a much better year than he did last year. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to watch, and it's going to be interesting to see how early in the season when you start off with Kansas and the Champions Classic in New York. That's going to be a big, obviously, a big test for this young team, and we'll see where we're at. Um, and regardless of the result, I think we're going to have a much better season than last year. So, yes, definitely. Uh, Michigan State has their next game next Thursday against Grand Valley. Another exhibition game should be a win for us. I have no doubt. Uh, and then. A week and a half from now, Kansas. Tuesday, uh, next, not this coming Tuesday, but next Tuesday, we play Kansas in Madison Square Garden for the Champions Classic. Kansas is very good. Yep. Uh, but I'm curious to see how we perform. Even if we don't win, I think that from what I saw the other night, we can keep it close and we can definitely, we're definitely a competitive team this year. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to go back to football. We're going to start talking about the, the big weekend. 
college football. We're going to start with Penn State, Ohio State. was the primetime game on ABC, although a lot of people in East Lansing and around the country now disagree. Uh, Penn State, tough loss this last weekend. Uh, Overtime was just terrible to watch. It was horrible. But uh, they take on Ohio State. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before this, and I think I completely agree that Penn State, I think, has a much better chance than everyone thinks. Uh, Of course, going through nine separate overtimes against Illinois doesn't do them any favors in the standings. But, you know, if they hadn't lost to Illinois, I think that I would have said this was, you know, a one-score game at the very least, you know, maybe by three, maybe by a touchdown, but it would have been a lot closer. Seeing that loss to Illinois, I think Ohio State is able to kind of pull ahead in my book but I still think it's a lot closer, so I wouldn't take Ohio State by any more than, you know, seven in this game because I think Penn State really has a chance to pull it out and really bring this rivalry game and prove that they did somewhat deserve that primetime slot. I'm not going to say they absolutely deserve. That. Yeah, you know, Ohio State obviously rolling Indiana fifty-two to seven. I think or fifty-four to seven was a score. You know, I, I think they're going to roll Penn State, to be honest. I don't think – I think Penn's – I think you see James Franklin's kind of checked out saying they're going to the big house instead of the shoe. Saying that, like, he doesn't even know his own opponent. But, you know, I, I think Ohio State's rolling in this game. 18.5-point favorites, I think they will win by at least three touchdowns. I just think Ohio State's, you know, clicking on – obviously, from earlier in the season, they, they lose to Oregon. But that's just one loss. I think they're clicking at the right time, you know, to get to the college football playoff and the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, I like Ohio State to to win this by at least three touchdowns. So we'll see. Probably be wrong, but who knows? Yeah, I'm definitely scared of the uh, of the you know the reports of Franklin appearing checked out. But other mm-hmm. than that, I mean, Penn State, very good team. Great that defense is really good. And even last weekend, it still showed up, shutting down Illinois for the most part. Um, but I still think that they're going to keep it close. The 18 point spread. That's just that's ridiculous. Because if if Penn State scores on one of those two-point conversions last weekend, they win. That spreads probably six, seven points, which is still a lot, but I don't think their loss to Illinois changes much between them. I think that Penn State will keep it close. I would probably still take Ohio State to win, but Penn State gives Ohio State games every weekend, and the last defense, like Penn State, that Ohio State played was Oregon, and we saw how that turned out. And I know C.J. Stroud has turned a page and has turned into a really one of the top quarterbacks in the country and even probably the best in the Big Ten. I uh I still think that Penn State keeps it close. Yeah, I think Penn State's loss to Illinois says more about Illinois' <clears throat> offensive mindset than Penn State. I think if you look at that 18-and-a-half spread, I think if you're Penn State's offense, you really take – or really Penn State football in general, you take that as kind of an insult. You know, because it wasn't that they really lost in a horrific fashion to Illinois. I just think Illinois showed up in that game and no one expected it. So I agreed, you know – Penn State's probably going to lose by seven, in my opinion. All right, and now for the game we've all been waiting for. It's Best I mean, for we've, last. we've been we've been talking about it since everybody got on campus back in August. Everybody's saying every time you had a conversation start, you say, "Man, that Michigan game's going to be a lot of fun." And well, it's here at long at last. What are your guys' thoughts on the game this weekend? Man, everything up to this point has just. It hasn't been spectacular, but everything just seems to have lined up perfectly. The stars aligned. Both teams seven and zero. We got college game day, big noon kickoff. Everyone's gonna be here. Uh, 
Still disappointed that they gave us the noon time slot. I would have liked at least 3.30. But I think that Michigan State really has a good chance to prove that not only do we deserve to be in the AP Top 10, but we deserve to be, you know, perhaps top six. College top football five. playoff conversation if, if, if they win this game. Yeah, and I, I think everyone's like, oh, Michigan State doesn't deserve to be here. But I think that, you know, as Mel Tucker said, we have yet to play our best football. We have yet to face our best opponents. But we have yet to really start firing on all cylinders with this offense. I think we've been able to see up to this point our offense develop and come into their own as this really miraculous team. I mean, less than two years, and it's completely 180 from what it was in 2019. Yeah, going back off of what you said, Matt, I mean, going back to coming into campus in August, you know, we're circling this game in our calendar. Who would have thought that both these teams were top 10 in the AP top 10, you know, first top 10 matchup since 1964 in East Lansing? It's a perfect, it's a perfect, you know, a perfect setting, and we don't know what's obviously we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I like Michigan State to win this game in uh, by three at least. Uh, the Lions four for Michigan. I think for Michigan State, if you can contain that running game, Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, and you can contain Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson, MSU's got a really good chance to win this game, and. Obviously, with all the hype, college game day, the Barstool show, and big new kickoff coming in, we don't. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. The amount of hype in this the the amount of hype in this game is insane. So we'll have to see. It's gonna be it's gonna be a nut. It's gonna be a crazy Saturday. So I'm so excited. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning, go to game day, nice and nice and early. Gates open at five thirty. Uh, but I think around eleven thirty, both teams are gonna get both fan bases are get really nervous. I can say uh, I it's. Because this is one of the one of the years where you truly don't know. It's not Michigan State like hoping like last year. Last year went to the game like maybe we can beat them, right? Who knows? And Michigan fans really having that confidence. Whereas this year, it's it's it could go either way. And truly, you really don't know. Um, I think this year our advantage is really on the outside. Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor are playing an even better, but better than they were last year. Peyton Thorne is a true difference maker, and now we're throwing. And now we have a like Rocky Lombardi tore up that secondary last year. You're telling me yeah. Peyton Thorne can't do the same. And I know Michigan's going to be ready for it, and they're going to really try and shut up, shut us down. My only concern is that we're going to run uh, Warner, the uh, the coach Warner offense, where we're just going to run it between the tackles, and that's going to make me lose my mind. We have to get Walker to the outside, let him make plays, yeah. right? Let our playmakers do what we do. This is what's gotten to us here, and this is what's going to get us. Going forward, I think the coaching staff realizes that, and I'm hoping, and I think that we'll we'll have a very good performance on Saturday. Something that I did not mention: if you can make Cade McNamara throw the ball, you have a really good chance to win. Because look, he's not he's not a bad he's not a bad player. He's solid, but if you you need to contain that running game, and if you can make McNamara throw the ball, I think MSU wins. So, yeah, one thing that does scare me is we said a similar thing back in 2015 before that Cotton Bowl when we played uh we played Alabama saying we take away Derrick Henry we can beat Alabama yeah. and then Jake Coker goes out and that slate, yeah that didn't work out too well now I will say they had Calvin Ridley on the outside they also had Kenyon Drake two very good NFL players Ridley's one of the best receivers in the NFL uh, I don't think Michigan has that on the outside we'll mm-hmm. find out Saturday um, 
but I definitely think this defense has gone under the radar all year. Braylon Edwards, what he said what last week? I can't name a single player on that defense. He might have to on set Monday Hennishu, morning. Hennessy, Kazir, um, Henderson. I mean, I think I think like I said, if if K McNamara is going to be able to throw, that secondary is going to be tested with Ronald Williams and Darius Snow, Xavier Henderson, and those guys. I think if they can live up to the challenge, MSU can win this game. And if they win this game, both of these teams potentially with a Rose Bowl of birth on the line. If Michigan wins this game, they're going to the Rose Bowl because obviously Ohio State, if they if they run the table, they're going to the college football playoff. And if we and if we run the table, we're we are going to the playoff or you know, obviously a Rose Bowl. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and I think one of the key things in this game, we've got a lot of offensive talent that we talked about, but I really think it's going to come down to our defense just going out on that field, being hungry, ready to just pick apart that Michigan run game. I really hope that's the case. And if it is, I think you really see Michigan State explode into what we've all been waiting for for like five years now. And I definitely think that you see all these headlines about how good the Michigan O-line is and how they're just going to dominate Michigan State's D-line. Every year we see that. It's a rivalry game, right? The, 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 the battle on the offensive line is usually about heart, right? Really, the talent, when it comes down to games like this, it's whoever wants it more. And State's not going to back down for anybody. So I don't think stars or talent's going to come into it on Saturday, especially in the trenches. It's just going to come down to who wants it more. Should be a lot of fun. I think 11.30, that stadium is going to be electric. 11.59, you'll hear a pin drop. Swag surfing is going to absolutely get the crowd going. Uh, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be, like you said, at 11 a.m., it's going to be a scary time for me because, like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to be nervous. As, I'm going to be a nervous wreck. Like, I don't like losing to Michigan, and Michigan fans are the same way. And it, I feel like it's a must-win game for Jim Harbaugh because if you lose this game, you're 0-2 to Mount Tucker. You're you're gonna lose to Ohio State, so you're gonna zero and two against your rivals. So yeah, Jim Harbaugh is a must-win game for him, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think. So yeah, I definitely think that. Well, going back to the point somebody made about the playoff, yeah. uh, this game you win it, you're playing in a New Year's Six Bowl, whether yeah. it's the Rose Bowl mm-hmm. or I think the Sugar Bowl is another one. Or Citrus, not sure, bowl. Citrus Bowl. There's a couple bowl games that they have available that like I, I cause three Big Ten teams are gonna play in a New Year's Six Bowl at least, right? You're gonna yep. have a team in the playoff one in the Rose Bowl, and then one in a different game. So definitely having that recognition and then Mel Tucker's first full season to be able to go out and make a New Year's Six would be awesome. I think Michigan, there's a little bit more pressure on them from the standpoint of Harbaugh, like you said, can't be 0-2 to Mel Tucker, whereas for State, it's just that nervousness of we've done so well, are we for real? Are we truly mm-hmm. this? Is Mel Tucker have us back? We're going to find out this weekend. So we still have the opportunity to just pin our ears back and go right at Michigan, whereas Michigan does have that that they have to they have to show up, right? They have to prove that they still are this big time team. But uh, I, it's I'm so excited I can't yeah. stop thinking about how fun this game's going to be. Regardless, can't, can't wait. It's going to be amazing. All eyes in the country are going to be on this game. And one last thing I want to bring up: game day is going to be here. Obviously, Coach, Coach Corso. I think he's going to put on the Michigan head. Oh, well, I, I know I, Herb Street. I, think, I know Herb Street's yeah, picking Michigan. The entire panel's probably going to pick Michigan. Which is great. We, we which, is, which is great. Bear is going to pick Michigan. Probably. Probably. But we should have to. But we will have a guest picker. Hopefully, we'll be a Michigan State supporter or alum of some sort. Who do you guys think is going to be on the stage with, uh, with Coach Corso tomorrow? Man, I don't know if it's who is going to be, but. I would love to see, for instance, Magic Johnson walk up on that stage. I think it would be amazing.
for all the Michigan State fans to see one of the most notorious and famous Michigan State alumni just walk up and, you know, pick Michigan State, of course, it would be an absolute, you know, to die for a moment to see that. Yeah, like you said, Magic Johnson, you know, he was on he was on campus last week, so that would be a great selection. But I think it's just going to be Tom Izzo. Um, I think that's probably the obvious choice. I mean, I don't know who, who else I'm th- I'm I don't know who else is gonna I'm thinking of, but yeah, Tom Izzo probably the probably the obvious choice for me. I don't I don't know who else would for me. Be a... For me, my pick would be Le'Veon Bell. There aren't there's only two teams on a bye this week for the NFL. The Ravens are one of them, and I know how much Le'Veon loves loves Michigan State football. Still, after I mean, yep. it's been what eight years since he left, and he still uh, he still supports us. I think he'll be here this weekend. If you, I mean, if you can be here, you're gonna come. I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. Uh, it should be exciting. Game day will be they'll be making their picks on the field on Saturday morning because the last because of it being a noon kickoff. So they'll have a stage. I'm not sure where they're setting up in the stadium. It'd be pretty cool if they were in front of the student section. That'd be, that'd be that'd, really that'd cool. Be, that'd be that'd awesome. Be amazing. But uh, I think Tom Izzo would be a great pick. People obviously would lose their minds. Tom, <laughs> he's uh, getting to see him on campus this year and see him interact with the fans. It's really cool. And then Magic Johnson, obviously, probably one of the biggest alumni our school has ever had. Um, but anyways, that's going to do it for us today on Friday, October 29th. I'm with Jacob Phillips and Jada Coster. I'm Matt Merrifield. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe and go green. You've been listening to Impact Sports Daily. Our thanks to Impact's general manager, Jeremy Whiting, station manager, Amber Kinetsky, and programming director, McKenna Lowndes. For more, visit impact89fm.org sports.